novel does very effectively, and I think what your previous book did in a, in a very different way was to show the sort of private and inner lives and the gap between a private life and a, and here with Louise, there was a gap between the intensity that we get to know about her, about her daughter, about her marriage, about the other people she's worked for, these sort of often say strange, um, and the way that she's treated to some extent by, by Paul and Miriam, who are the parents, who let her in at certain moments, but often keep her at, at a distance. Um, why do you think we, do we have to objectify these women? We don't, because we don't want to feel guilt, we don't want to That's feel... That's the whole question, and I wanted to, to show how ambiguous this relationship is, because it's, a, it's also a novel about boundaries. Where do we put the boundary? Because, that's why I, I took this quote of Kipling about the, the, the frontier, the first... How do, we, how do we do? Because we all ask ourselves the question, do we have to be friendly? Because she belongs to the family and she's here every day. Yeah. Or do we have to act as a boss with an employee and... Uh, I tell you what to do, and you do it or you don't do it, and if you don't do it, I fire you. Um, I wanted to, to say in this book that it is a relationship where you try to do your best, but actually, you, of course, you're going to make mistakes. It's impossible to have a perfect relationship with your nanny. It's impossible. It's a human relationship, and as every human relationship, you... You try your best, and of course you make mistakes. Was that true? For, um, no, no, is this something you've done? You, 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 is, that of you've course, got a, a, of course. And how? What have, what have been the good and the bad, the bad moments for you personally? Uh, you know, I, <coughs> sometimes you maybe you are a little bit uh, you uh, paternalize, but you I could say you maternalize <laughs> the, the the nanny. Sometimes you wanna. Uh, you, you think you're nice when you're giving her uh, clothes uh. or when you um, you have some attitudes that sometimes are very you, you despise without wanting to despise and it's very it's very difficult and sometimes you have to be the boss and it's very difficult to tell her you know I'm not very happy with, with what you did uh, yesterday with the kids even if you know that she didn't do it she did it with a well meaning you know so I think it's a very difficult relationship. Because ultimately you're bringing something, one of the, the most powerful and sort of just, it was one of those moments where I had to put the book down, walk away, is when uh, Louise um, is aware that the daughter, oh, whose name's gone completely out. Mila. Mila. Has liked her fingernails and her makeup and so she puts the, the, the makeup on the small girl and at that moment Paul, the father, walks in and is horrified to see his daughter made up as... Um, and it's never quite clear. I wasn't entirely sure how to picture Louise sometimes. So there's, there's a couple of moments you suddenly see her and think she was slightly different to how, I, to how I imagined. But this moment of a kind of utter values clash. Exactly. It's a problem of class because Paul is a sort of hipster. He's mm. cool and uh, he belongs to a very different cultural class than Louise. For him, you don't do this to, to a child. It's very vulgar. She's like... A, he, he says she's like a whore, you did the, the makeup, it's uh, awful. But Louise, she belongs to the working class, and for her, it's very nice to put so much uh. makeup on the little girl. So, I wanted to show uh, how much they are different, and the fact that suddenly Paul is being conscious that uh, she he doesn't understand her and that she doesn't understand him, that they are from very different class, and the, the shock of being conscious of, of this is very strong for, for Paul. But it's like, it made me think of that question about what, which I think you were just talking about a bit, it was just what do we owe each other? And it's partly about money, it's partly about class, and it's partly about sort of human dignity, that if you 
where do we draw the line? As you say about the boundary, with you say, I would like you to look after my child, but <laughs> according to these rules, I don't want... Because at that point you're depersonalising Louise, she can't yeah. have any input. Does, is that the sort of thing that would keep you... Or there's a moment where you close the door and sort of put your head in your hands? And... Yeah, I think it's easier to put your, your head in your hand, but um, it's very difficult to answer this, this, right. question, this question. And I think that's why I, I wrote the book, is to try to explore this and try to understand each point of view, because you can't say that Louise is totally right or Miriam is totally right. They try to have... And what is very difficult is that it is a relationship of power because you have a boss and you have an employee and the boss has uh, an economic power on the employee but Louise, she has a, a power too because she has power on the children mm. and I remember so much of my friends telling me you know um, I don't uh, I don't dare to say something to the nanny because I'm very afraid she's going to be uh, angry against me and then she's going to revenge on the children right. and she has a power the nanny so I think that's why this relationship is so strong and so strange and the nanny she knows everything about you she knows everything she knows uh, uh, what you drink what you eat when you wake up in the morning if you have sex or not what you thinking if you uh, were, were drunk last night she knows everything and this is a power to know everything about do you ever feel judged in those you feel judged and you feel that she can manipulate you and she she can have a sort of a, yes she has a, a very big power over you. now there's a kind of way that it could be a, a sort of light you know hollywood romantic sort of not romantic but you know sort of you know there's uh, there's mrs doubtfire yeah. there all those mary poppins a mary poppins we have so much nan wonderful nannies in the literature and uh. in, in the movies the good nanny that is going to put the family together and is going to solve all the problems and my idea is a sort of anti-mary poppins <laughs> because it's a, a stranger coming in the home and when the stranger is coming in your home Two things can happen. She can put the family together or she can break everything. But in your book, what I thought was really wonderful was it's it's sort of this middle ground where she does both. She does both, exactly. And there's that awful scene where she's ill and they don't they can't believe it and suddenly their whole life falls to pieces. But they don't think what she may have been going through. But it was an important... I suppose I was wondering that, that there is this element of horror. As you say, it plays on our worst fears. Is it... I suppose I wondered why why to make it a tragedy rather than... I think that I wanted to show and to face the fact that there is a lot of violence in this relationship. And I think that the, the fact of beginning with the murder was a way to say, okay, now you know it's going to end very bad. Like in a Greek tragedy, you mm. know the end and nothing can change <coughs> this. And you have to face, you reader, you have to face all the violence I'm going to speak about, the uh, social violence, the um, violence um, of um, the relationship between Miriam and, and Louise. I wanted really to explore and to face my fears, my nightmare as a, as a mother. So that's why, I, um, for me, it was, there was no point writing another Mrs. David Fire yeah. or Mary Poppins because my point was not to say... Uh, she's going to help them and everything is going to be okay because I'm still asking myself the question how do we do to 
to to make it to to have it all for me to be here with you in London. My children are in Paris. I need someone to to rely on. I need to trust someone, and this trust is difficult because I know that I'm in a certain way taking a, a risk that I don't see my children, that I don't know if they are okay right now. So I want to to face this fear. I don't want to do as if oh no, you know, I left my children with Mary Poppins. And everything is going to be okay because in my gut the things are not okay and I want as a mother to say no it's not okay and I'm I feel guilty and I feel a lot of anxiety a lot of stress letting my children you could have done the other thing which is to have a sort of horror movie version where she's sort of some just flat superficial sort of shark monster but she was very rounded um was it important that Louise was a that we felt sim- sympathy for someone who could do of something? Of course, and this idea of belonging is very important because I had the feeling that nannies, you know, they live in apartments, but the apartments are not their apartments. They spend all day in a bourgeois apartment, but it's not their apartment. They raise children, but the children are not their children. Right. So they never belong and they never own a thing they they are always a sort of stranger they are always in a distance with with things and it was very important for me to be sympathetic and to have a sort of empathy with louise you know um uh, i was very um uh, i read one day one interview of a very famous lawyer in france she's a woman a woman lawyer and she decided maybe 10 or 15 years ago, to defend a very famous serial killer in France called Guy Georges. And she was the first woman lawyer to defend a serial killer who killed so many women and raped them and everything. And I remember that one journalist attacked her, saying to her, how could you defend such a a, a monster who did so terrible things to women? And she said, you know, I'm not here to say he's innocent. I'm here to tell his story, because even a monster has a story. And I think that's exactly the aim of literature, to say that even a monster has a story, and that we are, as novelists, we need to remind people that reality is much more complex than what we want to think uh, every day, and that um, human beings are much more complex. And uh, someone can do something that is monstrous, can you say monstrous? Mm. But it doesn't mean that he has always been a monster. You have to face the fact that you can commit terrible acts, but you are still a human being. You have been a child, and you have parents, and you have uh, uh, you have a life, and you have a destiny to tell. So I think that uh, the aim of literature is to say that even monsters have a, a story. And partly in this story, and I think often with these stories, that we only pay attention, or that you know, society, whatever that is, pays attention when they commit these awful acts. And suddenly we think, exactly. oh my God, this woman was drowning. What was, what was going up with her? And, and that these, that this couple see her every day. They're very intelligent. They're very sympathetic um, to, to lots of issues. I'm sure they go out and have dinner parties. And, but they don't see, because they don't see her. And that, so fiction, it can teach us maybe to look a little bit closer at the people... But at the same time, you know, I think that we don't see people. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I, and I think the more you live with someone and the less you see him or her, yeah. I think that intimacy um, is a way of um, yeah. uh, making us blind. You know, uh, sometimes when I hear people who are married for 20 or 25 years and you can, oh, you know, I know him, I've been yeah. with him for 25 years. And sometimes I want to say maybe you don't know him anymore because you're living with him for 25 years. Uh, when you live with someone, with your nanny or with your husband, sometimes you don't see him anymore. You are like 
okay, he's like a furniture in the, yeah. in the room. Uh, he's here, he's okay. You think you're going to predict everything that he's going to do. But I think that we are always surprised by one another. And I think really that we never know one another. There's always something that we can't reach. Uh, and that's the, the beauty of the, of the thing. And that's why we are uh, writing novels, because we don't know. Because it's like that. Yeah.